following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> well, you're either on the top side walking on it or you're under it and it's walking on you. So where are you today? Top side? You always need to be on the top side when you come to church because Jesus said, I put everything under my feet and I'm going to let you put everything under your feet. And I love the fact that we serve a Christ that lets us walk on our situations instead of our situations walking on us. Would you stand? You're awesome people and I love you very much and I'm going to go right into the word of the Lord here today because I got some things I want to say today to y'all. I missed you last weekend. Uh, we went up to Boston last the Sunday before I... Uh, the, the last Sunday I preached here was uh, Continue. I preached a sermon called Continue. We got on a plane, flew to Boston, got in a, a van and started traveling like old hippies. And we traveled all through upper, the upper northeast and uh, saw yellow leaves and saw red leaves and saw dark purple leaves and everything just about but green. We saw the changing of the colors. It was so beautiful. Now, it's not Disneyland and it's not Six Flags. But it is a tremendous experience when you just drive through there and just take in God's beauty and you realize this wasn't a big bang, this was a creation. God did it, God did it, God did it. He really did. So we're back, we're back. By the way, I don't want to sound carnal, but I did see the Cowboys whip the New England Patriots last Sunday. First game I've been to in about 10 years, and I, you know, I always liked them, but uh, there was a day I loved them, but I fell in love with Jesus and started liking them, because you can't like something that's eight and eight. I want to love a Savior. I want to love a Savior that's never been defeated. Come on now. Now, I'm speaking today, this is Dream Team Sunday, and I'm speaking today on the subject of a fulfilled life. Say it with me, a fulfilled life. I want you to be seated and tell somebody next to you, he's talking to you today. There's a game called Would You Rather that's in our world today. You and a partner take turns asking each other to choose one option between two equally unpleasant things. Would you rather do this or would you rather do that? Two equally unpleasant tasks. Here's some examples. Would you rather be wealthy but only able to walk everywhere or just broke and be able to travel around the world? Would you rather always have an annoying song stuck in your head or always have an itch that you can't reach? That's a tough one. Would you rather be trapped on a deserted island with someone who never speaks or with someone who never shuts up? I'm getting close, ain't I? I probably couldn't guess your answers to those questions, but there's one would rather question that's pretty easy for everyone to answer. Would you rather move across the country or get a root canal? You can replace root canal with all sorts of unpleasant options, but most people would still choose anything else than moving. Just ask somebody about their last move and see how they respond. Never again is a common response. I don't even want to talk about it. We got too much stuff to unpack and pack, and I don't want to do it anymore. Success, folks, is not measured in comparison to the accomplishments of others. Success is fulfilling the purpose that God has assigned to us. 
Every person was born on purpose for a purpose. Did you get it? George Moore in a novel tells of Irish peasants at a period of the Great Depression. And in order to meet the starvation crisis, the government put them on a work detail building roads. And for a time, the men worked well, sang their songs, happy to be at work. But little by little, they discovered that the roads were building went nowhere. There was no real destination. They ran out into a dreary swamp and they stopped. When truth dawned on them that they had been put to work by the government simply as an excuse to feed them, the men grew listless, stopped singing, and the work slowed down to a crawl. And the author made this perceptive comment, listen closely, the roads to nowhere are difficult to build. For a man to work well and sing, there must be an end in view. Life hangs heavy on our hands. Our days drag drearily on if some purpose doesn't pervade our lives. Let me get a little personal. Let me dive into your hearts and shine a light on some things that you don't know about yourself. First of all, you're not here to exist or to survive. You're here to do something that matters. And you can't do something that matters if you never discover your purpose. I truly believe that the highest level of living is a level where you're making a difference in somebody's life and making a difference in your own family's life. Sociologists say that the highest level of fulfillment in a person's heart is when they lay their head down at night knowing they did something that changed people's lives today. 1 Peter 4 said, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. And each of us are wired. We're wired and motivated in a different way. And God has gifted each of you with something unique. You are a unique DNA. Nobody else has your DNA. So don't do a crime because they'll catch you. <laughs> You're unique. There's no better time than now to use your gifts to start serving people. Now, this is the part of the message at the very first that some people have a hang-up and say, Pastor, I don't think I'm ready to have what you're going to deliver or God is still working on me. Can I tell you, many begin to look for a reason to disqualify themselves for leadership. Can I tell you, you'll never get good enough to do the God stuff. You just step out and start doing the God stuff and God makes you good enough. Here's a side note. That's what using your purpose to serve people is. It is called leadership. Most people say there's nothing you could say that could make me a leader if you only knew where I came from, Pastor. And I'm convinced that it's because they have a wrong definition of the word leadership. A noted motivational speaker says leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. There's some people in this church used to be drug dealers. And you sold drugs. You know what you were? You were a leader in the drug business. There's some people that used to mess up a lot and you were the top mess upper and you led people on mess up missions. You were a leader. So everybody is a leader. Even people who don't know God are leaders because everybody is influencing somebody in some way. But I'm speaking about influencing others for a worthwhile cause. It's not dependent on titles. Not a position, 
Don't matter if you have a lanyard, don't have a lanyard. Have a badge, don't have a badge. Or positions or even what you think are natural abilities. Don't limit yourself on natural abilities. You're made by God. He didn't limit you when he made you. It's only dependent on people discovering their gifts and their passions and then using them to make a difference in the lives of others. Look through the word, folks. You'll notice that people God uses, he never uses those who are talented. He never used the ones who had it all together. He certainly never used perfect people. <laughs> they had messes in that Bible, you hear me? But he always looked for people that had issues. God did this on purpose. He looked for imperfect people because he said, I can take your imperfection and put my grace on you and put my power in you and make you do things you never thought possible in your life. That's God. So he said, let me use your stutter, Moses. Let me use your youth, Jeremiah. Let me use the fact that you were a son of a harlot, Jephthah, and overlooked by all your household. I'm gonna make you a mighty warrior. Let me convert your murdering heart, Paul, to write half the New Testament. Let me use a conversion of a sinful woman at a well to save a whole city. One woman saved a whole city. And God chose the adulterer to be king as in King David. God is saying, no matter who you are or what your current resume is, I can use you to influence other people if you'll allow me into your life. Somebody say, God, come on in. But there are things I believe that stand in the way to try to prevent us from purpose. You that's online, I want you to scoot up close. I'm fixing to preach a little bit. Let me use Moses because Moses had this horrible view of himself. This is his story. He's raised a Hebrew in the house of an Egyptian Pharaoh. His own mother became his nanny. And when that was discovered that he was a, 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 an Israelite and not, a, not an Egyptian, he went into exile on the backside of a desert for 40 years. And then, and then, he had a burning bush encounter with God. And this story is great in Exodus 3. So the bush is burning. <laughs> And God's talking to Moses out of this bush. Now, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I might have backed up from that bush. If an if a on fire bush started talking to me, I might say, whoa, hold on. I've been in this desert too long. I've got some, uh, some problems in my brain. But God said, hey, I got plans. You wanna hear them? I'm gonna use you, Moses, to be a leader. You're gonna bring all those Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who, 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 me? God said, yeah, you. And Moses went on to say, you picked the wrong guy. I can't go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, here is the key phrase. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. You know, folks, I love that conversation because I preached about that. I am what I am. I will be what I will be. He's a becoming God. Please listen right now. Don't measure yourself by how you see you. Measure yourself by how God sees you. Where you see failure, God sees finality. Where you see down, God sees up. Where you say can't, God sees can. Where you say no, God says yes. Quit looking through your lens 
how you're seeing yourself, your God looks through different lens. He went to a different ophthalmologist. In fact, he doesn't need glasses. He can see you from heaven right now. So in the following verses, Moses comes up with four excuses that I want to dispel. First thing he said was, who am I? Say it with me, who am I? He was just showing he had insecurities, that's all. We all have insecurities. You want me to lead a life group, God? You want me to serve kids? I can't even spell Ecclesiastes. <laughs> How can I teach kids? Quit looking at your purpose from a position of insecurity. You can't dwell on your insecurities. Look to the author and the finisher of your faith. Second thing he said was, what if they? He turned his insecurities and put fear with them and said, what if they, what if they laugh at me? What if my friends mock me? What if I put myself out there and I fail? What if they? Let me tell you something. If you're ever going to try something, you're going to fail. <laughs> There's a thousand reasons why the light bulb should never have been invented. But a thousand one, Edison made it work. Can you imagine all the things that he had to go through? Can you imagine Noah building a boat for 120 years and people come by and say, Noah, how's it going today? You doing all right? Man, we pray for you in our prayer meetings all the time because we're worried that you're losing your mind. You think all, all the world's going to get on that boat? And Noah said, God just told me to build a boat and I'm going to build a boat. Don't worry about if people laugh at you. Proverbs 29 said, the fear of man will prove to be a snare or a trap, but those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. We can't be measured by fear. We must overcome our fear of people. If you're gonna fear something, fear God. You know, back when I was in college, I took speech class because I had felt this call to preach, and I, I could make up some pretty good speeches, but I didn't know how to deliver them. So here's, a, here's an example. One time I talked about Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, and I thought that was some big names, so I thought I'd talk about them. But I couldn't look at anybody. I was looking down, and I was, you know, I, oh, I delivered some Socrates, and I delivered some Plato, and I delivered some Aristotle. And I got through, and the teacher said, I'm gonna give you an A on your speech and an F on your presentation. I said, why? She said, because you wouldn't look at anybody. I had a fear of people. I had, a, I had a little old lady in Kilgore, Texas that told me one time, said, just look at people as cabbage heads. <laughs> said, we're all God's planting. We're the garden of God. Don't worry about it. Lift up your head and declare the salvation of the Lord. And you know what, folks? When she laid hands on me one day, she is an old, sweet, Holy Ghost-filled woman. She said, God, let him lift up his head. And I've lifted up my head ever since and I'm declaring that you don't have to fear people. Ha ha, come on somebody, clap your hands and say fear be gone, faith come in. The third thing he said is I have never, God will ask you to do something you have never done before. God's famous for that. He's always gonna require you to take some kind of leap of faith because he wants us to be dependent upon him. Don't let fear of I have never keep you from discovering your purpose. And the last thing that Moses said, the last ish effort to get out of whatever God was calling him to do was, why don't you use somebody else? Look, look this person right here beside me. They got so much more talent. They got much more ability. and They're even more handsome, more beautiful. Look, lose, use them. Maybe God wants to use ugly. 
You know, the people on, on the thing right there just, uh, just said amen to that because I have a face for radio, not TV. It don't bother me. Amen. Well, I wish I had more hair, but I don't. I don't have any. Except on the sides, and it don't know where it's going, so anyhow. Surely, he said, you can find somebody else. Remember this word. <laughs> I'm getting tickled at myself. Reluctance. Everybody say reluctance. There will be those that are going to get this and believe this but are not necessarily ready to take that next step, but I can convince you if I can. Let me tell you that your life will never make sense until you are doing something with your life that really makes a difference. An old man named Demings, a professor, was given a speech one day, and he wrote on a, on a, on a, on a piece of paper that showed on an overhead to make, he said, this is the secret of life, to make a difference. And I'm speaking today as a person that's older than wiser than what I was 51 years ago when I came into the ministry. You've got to make a difference in your life. Clap your hands and say, I receive that. <clears throat> See, Here's the enemy's MO to keep you from the call that's on your life, the purpose that's on your life, the influence that's on your life. He'll do two things. He'll either let you accumulate a lot of stuff and make that a distraction, or he'll give you a lot of problems and make that a distraction. So it's either possession or problems. It's possession or problems. And some people have such blessings they never do anything significant for God. God gives him many things and the enemy takes those things and uses it against those people to do anything significant in the kingdom. I'm too busy with my stuff. Although it's God's blessing, the enemy wants to make sure you never follow through with what God has for your life. For others, it's the opposite. They say, Pastor, I can't do anything because I have so many problems. I'm loaded down with stuff. I have to fix all of that first. Let me say it again. You'll never get good enough to get good enough. You've got to step up and say, stuff, get behind me. I have to get right. I've got to do better. No, you've got to step into your purpose. When you step into your purpose, those things say, oh, goodness, they found their purpose and now I'm lost. I've got to go find somebody else to jump on. Tell your stuff and tell your things, get behind me. I'm walking in purpose. I'm going to do the mind of God. Come on now. Both of those are wrong. Possessions, problems. Realize this, if you don't know Jesus, then your whole life is about finding Jesus if you don't know him. But once you find Jesus, your whole life is about making Jesus a difference in people's lives and making a difference for him. Heaven's coming, folks. Heaven's coming. Maranatha, the Lord's coming. Sooner than some of us think, with pleasure, possessions, and rewards, he's going to reward us in heaven someday. God blesses us on earth, but we cannot be enamored by that. We're here for one reason, and that is to serve God. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. So I want to talk to you. Russ Cripps was a, was a staff pastor here for a number of years, about nine years, and we loved him. We miss him. He's in Baton Rouge doing a wonderful job. But he wrote a book one day called 31 and Others. Russ wrote a book while he was pastoring here, 31 and Others. And there are over 58 times in the, new in the New Testament that the phrase one another is used. 
I'm not going to tell you all of them, but we're, we're here to love one another. Say love one another. We're here to care for one another. We're here to pray for one another. We're here to greet one another. We're here to help one another. And we're here to serve one another. We believe in serving others here. We believe in that. We have a food pantry that every Thursday, an 89-year-old woman is out there feeding people and giving them groceries. We have a food line that we take to people every month from this church and feed the homeless in this town. We feed orphanages over in Africa. We feed orphanages over in, Philipp in the Philippines. This church is not sitting on its lees. We're not relaxed and saying, oh God, just bless us with our little Sunday services. We believe in serving people. We used to have a Thanksgiving on Tuesday before Thursday, Thanksgiving, and we fed up to 2,500 homeless people here. The city buses found out what we were doing and gave free rides to our campus. And we fed people out here under the umbrella of, of tents from funeral homes that they got involved. And we fed people every Tuesday before Thursday. And, it, and, and we're going to try to get back to that one day soon because I love taking care of people because we have a mission to go outside the walls of this church. You hear me? Listen to me. Saved people serve others. Say it. Saved people serve others. There's a, there's a famous psychologist named Abraham Maslow who founded the hierarchy of person's need and that pyramid starts with our most basic needs of food and water and warmth and rest. Goes all the way up to the needs like security and safety and, and friendships and accomplishments and finally self-actualization. Achieving our full potential. And using a real world example of self-actualization would be if you realize perhaps, perhaps if you were a chef, you went to a chef school and you became a sous chef or you became a hotel cook, a chef. And you'd make great food and the people would enjoy your food. So you open a restaurant to fulfill your human purpose. But as Maslow grew more, he realized that his original pyramid was lacking and he eventually added another step to the top of the pyramid. I want to show you the graph here. Look at the graph here. You see it's psychological, physiological, I mean, then you see safety, then you see love, then you see esteem, then you see self-actualization. And then up there at the top, he added this, self-transcendence. Self-transcendence. Transcendence, basically, folks, leave that up, is a person's need to be motivated to do something bigger than themselves. Back to the chef now. His human purpose is to own a restaurant and to provide a service that makes people happy. But his transcendence is that on the weekends, he cooks soup in a soup kitchen or he runs a food charity that serves the less fortunate, doing something that's bigger than himself. This is not just a Christian thing. This is a human race thing. The desire makes a difference in the lives of others is both a spiritual mandate and a physical need. So regardless of whether you have been saved your entire life or if you have a new, or you're new in faith, you've always had a need in your life to serve other people. In fact, serving others makes us more like Jesus. In Matthew 20, Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can I tell you, if Jesus, the Messiah served, we need to serve the Messiah by serving people. Help me preach right now. Help me talk to you right now. Hallelujah. I get fired up about this. I'm sorry, I get fired up about preaching, but I get fired up about this. You're never more like Jesus than when you're laying down your, 
own wants and your own needs and your own desires to help somebody. Putting your life on pause to serve others helps us grow in our walk and be more like Jesus. So let me give you three principles in closing today, three of them about serving others. This is really a three-part statement that I can make one sentence out of. Number one, I want to make a difference. Say it with me. I want to make a difference. This is key. Making Making this statement is a declaration that you're ready to achieve a very high calling. You're already wired for it to make a difference. So that statement has true, is true for every individual here. I must make a difference. My life counts for other people's sake. That's not, there's not enough vacations. There's not enough money, not enough cars, not enough possessions. There's not enough relationships. There's not enough things on this earth that can fully satisfy your desire and your need to what Dr. Maslow called transcendence. That my life impacted the life of others And that's why the scripture says in a very sure way that God saved me so I could help other people. That's step one in your spiritual journey. And after you're saved, 2 Timothy 1 says he called you to this holy work. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Jesus Christ before the beginning of time. Before you were created, God created the thing he asked you to do. God said, I got something for you to do. Now I'm going to make you. Ephesians said, you were created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. Are you with me today? Let me say it this way. First, God had a thing for you to do. Then God made you. You're wired perfectly, designed to live your life in such a way that it impacts people's life. And God made sure of that. Oh, I love it. Second thing, I want to do something that makes a difference. Say it, I want to do something that makes, stop, let's let's, let's turn the volume up. I want to do something that makes a difference. Amen. How do I know whether I actually make a difference or not, Pastor? Here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. If we take care of people, if we feed a lot of people but never give them Jesus, do we win? If we help people get out of their mess, but they, ne- they don't go to heaven, do we do them a disservice? Let me say, I'm going to speak on it for the first time since all this came out, but I'm going to say it right. Social justice is so important. But social justice without spiritual justice is not justice. You cannot legislate social justice. Social justice comes when spiritual justice gets a hold of us and we turn people's lives around. Can somebody clap your hand and say, I like that. Amen. We can't give them their physical needs and not tell them the most important thing they need to know because they're not going to spend the vast majority of their life here They're going to spend it in eternity, not on this earth. But at the same time, spiritual justice, I know it's good, sweetheart. At the same time, spiritual justice is not justice without social justice. Come on now. We can't just give them Jesus without helping people. Come on now. Come on. That's why it's the joy to be a part of what we do. We get to serve. 
We get to serve, whether it's on the camera, in kids, in the parking lot, on stage, or leading a life group, or feeding the hungry. We get to serve. I don't think I could ever do that, Pastor. I'm, I'm kind of I'm above that. No, you're not. No, you're not. Catch up to the church. We're going to go out of this world leading people to Jesus through service to the community. Come on now. Whatever it is, you end up doing to serve others, you're doing it for one reason, is that they can find and meet Jesus at the, and end up in heaven. Randy, if you'll come. <laughs> it's 11.59. Jonathan Moore assisted us for 10 years, and he made a record. He made an album called 11.59. I'm preaching this for Jonathan right now. 1 Corinthians 3 said anyone who builds on this foundation will use a variety of materials. Some materials are good like gold, silver, and precious stone, and some are bad like wood, hay, and stubble. This means that some people are living their lives. They're not making a difference. On judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work and the builder used to build his house. The fire will show if a person's work has value if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Gold, silver, and precious stone don't burn. But if the work is burned up, wood, hay, and stubble, he'll suffer great loss. Now, the builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames, there's no sense in being afraid of standing before the Lord one day and saying, God, I just didn't get involved. It just didn't seem right for me to get involved. Let me make it very clear because we want to make a difference. The third point I want to bring to you, and I close, I want to be with people who want to make a difference. This is big to God. God will develop you as an individual, but he'll never use you by yourself. So a lot of your spiritual journey is you and God, repeat, you and God, repeat, you and God, repeat, you and God. But when he finally gets to a place, he wants to use you, he'll put you on a team. And you know what? If I could just get on the team, be the water boy, I want to be on the team that's serving. I want to be on the team that's serving. That's why we're called the body of Christ. That's why we're called it. And you're a body part. But if you're a hand, you just can't be flopping out there a hand by yourself. A hand needs an arm, and an arm needs a shoulder, and a shoulder needs a whatever, a neck, whatever. But you can't do it by yourself. We're the body of Christ. The dream team needs you. A lot of dream team teams are their life groups too. That's the people who they do life with. One is too small of a number to really make a difference. In Ecclesiastes, the Bible said two are better than one because they have good return for their labor. Now listen to me, and I close with this. I'm gonna close with this. This is gonna sound harsh, and I'm not a harsh pastor. You've heard me a long time. I'm not harsh. But this church will not be a legalistic church ever, ever. This church is gonna be full of the grace of God. And what I have preached to you today is to get involved. That's not legalism. That's saying you need to be a servant of the Lord like everybody else. You need to get involved in the kingdom. 
And some people, you know, I was preaching one, one time at a place, I'll tell you, Indianapolis, Indiana. I was preaching Indianapolis, Indiana. And I got through ministering. I did pretty good that night. I did pretty good, I thought. But a man walked up to me and said, I got some corrections for you, Pastor. I got some corrections. I said, oh, okay. He said, you misquoted some. I said, who are you? He said, I'm the man in the church that sets and corrects everybody. That's my ministry. I said, oh, boy, I've never wanted to walk away from something so bad in my life. But my kindness and courtesy let him talk. And by the way, he needed a, a, an Altoid in his mouth too. Just a thought. He said, you ever read Acts 17? I said, yeah. He said, I'm, I'm part of that Berean bunch. I make sure everything's in order. He took that altogether different. He said, and you misquoted a scripture today. You said the government shall be upon his shoulders, plural. It's shoulders, singular. God don't need two shoulders to hold his government. I said, oh, God, this is. And I said, sir, do you preach? He said, no, but I really know what preaching's all about. And I said, can you excuse me? He said, yes, sir. I walked away and I said, I need to go throw up. I didn't let him hear that. <laughs> we don't need people in the house of God that's here for corrective measures that the choir didn't sing good, that the preacher didn't preach good, that the church is not right. We need people to put their shoulder to a wheel and let's start moving this church in a direction of service for our community. Come on. Come on now. That's what it's all about. Stand to your feet and clap your hands all over the house. Come on, clap your hands all over this house. Receive the word of the Lord. Receive the word of the Lord. Receive it. Receive it. Hallelujah. <laughs> and say it with me. I want to make a difference. I want to do something that makes a difference. And I want to do it with other people who want to make a difference. Hallelujah. Success is not measured on comparison to the accomplishments of others. Success is fulfilling the purpose that God has assigned to us. I was raised very legalistic. And I, I really could never do anything right when I was a kid. And I vowed to God when I pastored a church, if he let me pastor, that I was going to compliment the successes and pray for failures, but not embarrass people with their failures. And I've done that. But I want to challenge you today. Listen, I want to challenge you. This is bringing me to tears. I want to challenge you. Get on board. Get on board. Pastor, I smoke six packs of cigarettes a day. Really? Maybe you can tell people how to get off those things maybe after a while. It don't matter. I want you to be a part of the team. Pastor, I mess up from time to time. Oh, a lot of people do. I preached about it. But get on the team. Let's start moving this church in a direction that 2022 is going to be a phenomenal year for us. Come on, get on the team. Get on the team. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's move this thing. Let's move this thing. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody bless the Lord right now. Woo. 
Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to back this up and I'm going to step out here. I'm going to close. I want to pray for you. We're going to dismiss you. And uh, I've gone a minute over. I'll make it up to you next Sunday. If, if you knew how much I loved you, even though I don't know some of your name, if you knew how much I loved humanity, how much I cared for your life and your future, you start running around this church say, preacher loves me, preacher loves me. Because I do. But it's not my love that matters, it's his love that matters. He loves you. And he wants you to express and declare his goodness to the world. Get on board. Get on board. It's a great place. It's a great place. Lift your hands. Let me bless you. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I thank you for this beautiful audience and for the beautiful online crowd. Thank you for them. What a joy. What a joy to preach about you every Sunday. Lord, you're the uplifter. You're the lifter of our heads. You're you're the healer of our hearts. You're the, you're the game changer in our lives. There's nobody like you, and so I express that to you again today. And I'm honored, Lord, to represent you. This is not my church. This is your church, and you let me work in it, and I'm so happy to work in your church. Bless us now. Continue to walk with us and let us serve you in a manner that's pleasing to you. Let us not take the easy road. Let's take the road less traveled. It'll be successful. Honor our efforts and honor our, our desires. We want to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now bless every husband, wife, child. Bless every single parent. Bless every single person. Bless every young person. Bless everybody in this house. Bless those that have been defeated in their mind and those that feel victorious today. Let us walk out of here with victory and saying, I will be someone that makes a difference. For it's in Christ's name I pray. And everybody said amen.